6 o'clock. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Neil Garfield Show, a presentation sponsored by www.livinglies.wordpress.com, GTC Honored, and The Garfield Firm, serving all 50 states with news and analysis of the latest bank scams against borrowers, homeowners, consumers, and investors, and providing legal representation throughout Florida. This program is for general information only. It is not a solicitation for services or legal representation and should never be used as a substitute for advice from a licensed professional. And now, here's world-renowned financial expert, attorney, and blogger, Neil Garfield. Hi, this is Neil Garfield, and this is Thursday, March 3rd, 2016. How time flies. This show, like some of the others, is mostly directed at lawyers with lay people listening in. Things are looking up for borrowers between the Jessenowski decision last year by the United States Supreme Court and the Ivanova decision uh, uh, just recently handed down by the California Supreme Court uh, this year, along with dozens of other decisions during that period on ownership, authority, balance, and rights to enforce. I think we have now effectively turned the corner, although the outcome of that won't be evident, I think, for a while yet. Um, Two weeks ago, I tried to go through all the ramifications of rescission in 28 minutes, and I failed miserably. I'm going to return to that probably next week and see if I can get it done then in a better fashion. Uh, This week, I'm joined by Charles Marshall, uh, an attorney in California, Dan Edstrom, and Jim Macklin to talk mostly about Ivanova, where the California Supreme Court finally addressed what we've been saying for years. And congratulations to the lawyers for the homeowners in that case. I am broadcasting live from Broward County, Florida, brought to you by the Living Lies blog, GTC Honors, Living Lies, Amgar, and the Garfield Firm with offices in South Florida. And this show is specially brought to you because of donations to the Living Lies blog from listeners like you. Thank you. And for those of you who are not contributors, we ask that you hit the donate button on the blog or call 954-495-9867 and pledge whatever you think you can afford. On the West Coast, you can dial 520-405-1688. If this show has value for you, if the blog has value to you, then please make a contribution to help us continue helping you and all consumers. And if you're looking for active assistance, you can call our num- the same numbers and schedule a consult, a review and report, or both, or whatever else we can help you with in litigation support. You can also uh, get a report on title and securitization through us, along with a commentary on how it applies to your case, subject to review of your attorney. 
Living Lies, with 11 million visits, is the number one place on the Internet to get information, forms, facts, and opinions from a variety of sources on foreclosure defense, foreclosure offense, consumer loans, and even student loans. Our mission is to share as much free information as we can to help homeowners and other consumers who find that in addition to the house or car or TV, they bought a very complicated financial product. We are succeeding in our mission as more and more lawyers across the country are smelling blood in the water, and I know that because they're calling me many times a day as they realize that there is a winning strategy in both foreclosure, defense, and rescission. There is gold in all those so-called bank errors, which we'll be talking about uh, shortly, and that I have said that from the beginning we're intentional. I know how they work. Long ago, I was one of the people on Wall Street. Let me remind my listeners here that nothing stops a foreclosure except a court order. No letter pleading, opinion, or anything else will stop the foreclosure from proceeding or stop the forced sale of the property. In bankruptcy, that order is automatically issued as soon as the bankruptcy is filed. And the same type of logic applies to rescissions, except that it is in reverse. The court is not allowed, which means it would be violating the law, to ignore a rescission. The rescission is by law, effective by operation of law, same as a court order, no difference. The court may not rule on foreclosures without going step-by-step through the TILA rescission step statute at 15 U.S.C. 1635. I want to add here that uh, uh, some late-breaking news on Aquin indicates that they're headed for a bankruptcy, Uh, There's two new SEC probes of of huge losses that, in all probability, are actually fictional um, and uh, causing them to uh, go out of business. And the question that people are asking, why are they going out of business? My answer is, in my opinion, because the banks want them to go out of business because each bankruptcy, each time a servicer or an originator goes uh, belly up, it adds another layer to penetrate uh, uh, for a homeowner to defend their property against someone who actually has no interest in their loan. And that's why I like rescission, which is a specific procedure established by federal law to cancel the loan contract non-judicially and void the note and void the mortgage non-judicially with the simple mailing of a letter. In most states, foreclosures can be done without a lawsuit. They're called non-judicial foreclosures. In rescission, canceling the loan contract, the note, and mortgage can be done the same way, non-judicially. What is good for the goose is good for the gander. Don't let the naysayers get you down. The rescission is effective when mailed, and the statute makes no distinction between disputed and undisputed rescissions. And just the late Justice Scalia made a point of saying that the statute makes no distinction between disputed and undisputed rescissions, which means that rescissions that are disputed or could be disputed are still effective by operation of law until a court of competent jurisdiction enters a valid order vacating the rescission. So 
without any further ado, um, I will tell you that uh, I'm joined here by Charles Marshall, an attorney that I respect a lot in California, Dan Edstrom, who for I guess it's nine years now or something, has been the uh, uh, chief forensic analyst for Living Lies, and Jim Macklin, who has, uh, well, he's guest hosted this program and uh, has contributed a tremendous amount to the uh, processing of information and analysis and use of it in court. Welcome, gentlemen. Yes, hello, Neil. Thank you. Charles here. Hello. All right, Charles, let's start with you. What kind of overview would you give of the Ivanova decision uh, rendered by the California Supreme Court uh, uh, as to its importance? I know that the court took great pains to uh, say that it was very narrow, but uh, my reading of it was that it wasn't so narrow, and apparently, uh, as I have caught on to several articles published by bank lawyers, they think it has and will have tremendous impact throughout the country. What's your take? Oh, I think it will have tremendous impact throughout the country. It's already had impact on several of my cases. I've had several uh, demurs pending. These were in state court since uh, you know, between February 18th and, and literally yesterday. And those demurs were all moved uh, because of the Ivanova decision. And uh, Jim and I are working on several uh, related cases, and one of the cases we're working on, we've already done uh, briefs that the judge had requested. And again, this is all literally just happened in the last couple of weeks. And I agree with you, Neil, that notwithstanding the fact that the appellate panel in Ivanova essentially held that these their their decision only applies to wrongful foreclosure cases post foreclosure, notwithstanding them saying that, they disclaimed Jenkins, they disclaimed Gomes. Um, some of your listeners may, may not know what those cases represent, but I can tell you that they are at the very heart of the defense in California when we bring plaintiff's lawsuits against lenders on behalf of borrowers in California. So Jenkins and Gomes are gone. That's a huge deal. Several related uh, cases that the defendants typically cite are gone as well because of the holding. And then on the plaintiff's side, Glaske was completely reaffirmed. And granted, this court limited Glaske's specific application to post-foreclosure cases where wrongful foreclosure is pled. But as a practical matter, even if wrongful foreclosure isn't pled in a lawsuit, but especially if it's pled in a, a post-foreclosure case, which we anticipate a lot of cases being filed now, and of course we'll be pleading wrongful foreclosure, particularly in post-foreclosure cases. Those are perfectly lined up now to get borrowers the kind of cash settlement that previous to this time we wouldn't have been able to get. And I want to emphasize also this is not a change in the law. It it lines up very much with Jezinoski in that, in that respect. A unanimous appellate panel 
just like in Jesenowski, which decision was also unanimous, has said that the way Glaske has been handled since the years it came down, it's essentially been misinterpreted. So this is already having a dramatic effect. I'm getting lots of attorneys on the other side emailing me, calling me uh, to set up settlement discussions, which they were not at all interested in entertaining as recently as three weeks ago. So, yes, this is a really dramatic development. Yeah, I uh, when I read it, uh, I understood, you know, several important things about it. Uh, Jim, what's your take? Well, as Charles said, and I'll just reiterate briefly, I work with Charles very closely on the majority of cases that are in. He's got just about every county in California covered, and uh, we're being uh, requested for supplemental briefing uh, for our analysis of Ivanova as it applies to our case. And these are coming down from from judges, so it they're in an uproar. Um, and the whole premise of this is obviously throughout the U.S. And, and especially in California, absent any sufficient or competent, reliable evidence to support facts contained in disputed recorded instruments, a party who executed the instruments and relies on their validity is relying on nothing but hearsay. And the Ivanova court pointed this out in its 33-page uh, dissertation on uh, on embracing the Glasky case. But now let me stop is, you right. There. I think sure that's so. I, I think that is so important because the whole notion of because the bank said it, it must be true, is being thrown on its head. And and generally, like Charles just said, that this is not a new law. This is kind of returning to the ordinary application of the rules of evidence and the laws as they've always been. So, and, and uh, it. yeah, I'll just wrap that up by saying that the, the Ivanova decision essentially stands for the proposition that a party uh, has standing upon sufficient allegation of a void assignment post-trustee sale as to a cause of action for wrongful foreclosure. And Charles will tell you, and and I can show you, we've been making sufficient allegation of void instruments for well over a year and have been soundly rejected um, by these uh, lower courts, citing the very cases that the Ivanova courts just disapproved. So we're ecstatic that we're going to now be able to turn these around and say, hang on a second. Well, I want to congratulate you guys for your persistence. That's really what carries the day in the end. And it's hard for lay people to understand how slow the judicial system works and changes and sometimes makes errors that it carries forward for years. But um, this is a a very major step, I agree. Dan, um, what's your take? Yeah, I mean the um the use of the documents with the you know the rhetoric that they use and usually it's inflammatory rhetoric is what they've been using to say hey, you know, the the homeowner doesn't have any rights in court. And 
you know, one of the big areas that I've always been into in my research is, you know, reasons why you could allege lack of default. But in this case, the court said pre or I'm sorry, post foreclosure, you know, even if they're um, even if they are in default, if they allege they uh, they uh, the assignment was void, even if they're not a party, they don't lack standing. Yeah, I think that whole the whole way that that the California courts were going and other courts across the country was completely wrong. Right. Right. Um void is void is void and to say that you can't point out the fact <clears throat> that the assignment is completely void and therefore that these are not the people who should be allowed to to sue you, that was just bizarre judicial interpretation. Uh, right. Same yeah. as, as Charles said, just like in uh, uh, Jesenowski, where the court, uh, unanimous court, said all those thousands of decisions that you've made where you've read in this requirement and that requirement are just plain wrong. So And also just to I, follow up on that, Neil, also just to follow yeah. up, the court is also saying what what isn't in these pleadings needs to be accounted for. In other words, there's a there's a heavy emphasis in this decision on essentially Disclaiming one of the great canards that you see defendants give up, you know, the, the defendants present as institutional defendants in California, and that's they make a claim. Well, you're in default anyway. What? Who does it matter uh, who you pay your default to? We're an institutional claimant. We claim to be your creditor. We know you owe somebody. You know, the fact that the assignments may or may not be in complete order has got nothing to do with whether you want to pay pay your house or house payment or not. Oh, you want a free house. And uh the judges didn't address the free house issue. I wish they had. But they they address very well this notion that it doesn't matter who you pay. And it's very clear in their decision. They cite two very compelling cases, Cacklin versus Markowitz and Santens versus Los Angeles Finance Company. Now that second case, Santens it it has verbiage to the effect only in person only a person entitled to enforce the note can foreclose on the deed of trust. Well, that would be the beneficiary. In the non judicial foreclosure scheme, you must show you're the beneficiary. It's always been that way. And now the court is saying and this is compelling for everybody who's going to be litigating in this arena, now the court is saying you must prove you're the beneficiary. The initial burden of proof is on the part of the servicer or anyone else claiming to be the beneficiary and therefore entitled to enforce the note. You know, in effect, you have to be able to show that you're the creditor, that you really are owed this money. And well, I that's, think the, uh, that's excellent news for all borrowers. I think the court really drilled that point home when it expressly stated that they wanted to know who owned the debt. They didn't say the note or the authority. They said the debt. And that, of course, is what I've been um, uh, pounding on for the last uh, nine, ten years, 
that uh, if we were to accept what the courts were doing, it would lead to the chaos that we've seen, and further and, and much more because people would be trolling other people's mailboxes looking for debts that they uh, uh, owe or think they owe, and then because they know where they live, start sending them letters and things like that, saying you know we you know you got to pay us now, without the real creditor even knowing. Yeah, as to that point, Neil, I don't mean to interrupt, but as to that point specifically, uh, Kamala Harris, in her brief, and the court cited this, the appellate panel cited this in Ivanova, they referenced the fact that Kamala Harris brought up an institutional version of exactly what you just said. She said, you know, in the brief that the court cited, that this is exactly what's already happening in California, and it's not surprising. There are players out there. There, You could call them criminal gangs, except it's in a white-collar variety, who are going out and creating from fake cloth completely fake assignments and bringing properties to sale. And that's an actual predictable harm and a predictable course of criminal conduct based on the way the courts, until literally just now, they're finally reaffirming Glaske, until now, where you could bring bogus assignments and incomplete assignments and backdated assignments and front-dated assignments and have them reinforced and enforced in court. Those days, I believe, are on life support. Now, of course, this is all going to have to be litigated, but, again, borrowers are in a much more favorable place than they were even a month ago. I I think uh, uh, that... That is a correct statement, and that uh, we we have good reason to be hopeful about the future. It still bothers me how many people are going to be losing their homes between now and whenever this really takes hold altogether. Um, uh, but they do have the wrongful foreclosure action, and they can get damages. Does do do money damages really make up for the loss? of a home that may have been in your family for generations? I don't think so, but uh, when it's already happened, um, uh, maybe that's all we can do. I do wonder, from a title and real estate law point of view and chain of title, that if we know that the, the, the assignment was in fact void, well, for that matter, that the transaction was never actually, uh, the loan contract was never actually consummated. How does that fit in with uh, even the sale of the property, the forced sale of the property? I know most states have a law that now that says that once it's been sold at a trustee's sale, um uh, the only remedy you've got after the passage of a certain amount of time is monetary damages. But I also know of law when it comes to the statute of limitations that when it comes to a wild deed or anything like that, that there is no statute of limitations because it's ownership. You, you got any thoughts on that, Charles? Uh, yes, I mean, wrongful foreclosure as a cause of action in California offers treble damages. So that's a huge uh, that's a huge power PowerPoint 
given the value of properties in California. You know, you're talking a minimum of multiple six figures liability. In some cases, it's going to be even multiple seven figures liability. And so I agree with you in terms that the conventional remedy is still going to be money damages. However, when we're talking about numbers that high, there, there's no question that, that some defendants will do what I've been able to negotiate, albeit not very often, but sometimes, even in this climate, which is even post-foreclosure, even post-unlawful detainer, getting the individual back into the property. And right. that, I've, I've that has been that extremely rare previously. I think it's going to become more common, and I think it's a negotiation that's going to be more doable. It's still going to be a difficult negotiation, but some defendants, are, rather than being exposed to these mega money judgments, are going to put the uh, borrower back on the property. I particularly liked in the Ivanova decision when they said that if you have been foreclosed based on a void instrument, that you have been harmed and that there's no question about whether or not you have standing or uh, uh, any right to complain, and because they, you know, the argument has always been, well, you've been in the house for three years, five years, eight years, whatever it is, uh, without paying anybody, which is ordinarily not true anyway. They've been paying lawyers or whatever, and oh, people always forget that. Uh, uh, most of these uh, homeowners put uh, money down, and uh, and sometimes it was in six figures, and they lost that. So yes. you know, when they talk about free house, I, I kind of get in, enraged. Um, but I think that um, uh, the the Glasky rule being reaffirmed now that borrowers have standing to challenge assignments as void, but not necessarily as voidable. Uh, uh, the court uh, stated that the, they're joining several courts around the nation, and uh, uh, they quoted uh, uh, the decisions from various courts uh, throughout the U.S. Um, so... Uh, to wrap it up, we only have a couple, about a minute and a half left here. Um, what is the takeaway, Charles, that people should know about Ibanova? Well, the takeaway is no matter where you are in the process, and we haven't talked about appeals yet, but whether you're pre-foreclosure, whether you're dealing with a notice of default, and whether you've just had a case go south prior to this decision, depending on when that was and whether you're in state or federal court, you might have a very appealable case. And for those litigating now, if they get an unfavorable decision, they have an absolutely appealable case. So, you know, there's a lot of compelling uh, terrain to litigate in. And, uh, you know, before and we some... sign off, I know Jim Jim wanted to leave uh, a contact contact information for everyone. I'm sorry. Yes, Jim, go. <laughs> Uh, okay, and if anybody wants to get in touch uh, with uh, Charles Marshall's office uh, or has questions, they can contact uh, me directly at area code 530-888-9600, extension 101, or they can visit Charles's website at 
dot martial law that's three l's in a row martial law dot c a dot com all right um and for those people who are who will be listening to this by having clicked in after the show uh you'll be able to uh, uh still reach uh, charles uh at that number and i want to add that I think that Charles, Jim, and Dan have added immeasurably to the energy that has gone behind the foreclosure defense uh, marketplace, and they have persisted on all the right points. I really congratulate you guys for uh, just sticking with the uh the program and taking a lot of dirt in the face while you were doing it i think everybody who listens to this show and reads the blog owes you a debt of gratitude so congratulations to uh to the three of you and with that i'll see everybody next week have a good weekend Welcome to the Neil Garfield Show, a presentation sponsored by W. Thanks for listening to our broadcast. We hope that you tell your friends about us and let them know that there is hope and help in this financial crisis. Tune in every week to the Neil Garfield Show for free information and advice and visit our blog daily at The Living Lines Blog. We provide support services, the latest strategies, analysis, expert consultations, testimony and declarations to use in your battle against the largest economic crime in human history. For information concerning Neil, the team at Living Lies, or the law firm, go to www.livinglies.wordpress.com or call 520-405-1688. The opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the host and should not be attributed to any other person or entity.